The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Good evening, everybody. It is about 4.50 p.m. on Monday, February 26th. Apologies if I sound a little bit under the weather. I was uh, at a commission yesterday. Um, going to do a recap of Sunday. Like I said, I was going to do we'll also recap Monday, and then I got uh, two LPL games for Tuesday morning. Uh, we're going to start off in the LCK from Sunday, DRX D+. So obviously... This series, as well as the other one, were just marred by in-house network issues. Took just short of seven hours to finish this series, which is maybe the longest series that I've ever seen in my life. I think they mentioned that it was the longest they'd ever had. Um, This stuff doesn't happen all that often, especially anymore. It used to happen all the time if you want to go back 10, 12 years. Fortunately, it just is a thing in esports. It's you know it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, they had in-house network issues. They're not playing online. They're playing on an in-house network, and they were having problems with the network. Um, they ended up postponing the second match and playing that one online. Um, we got the recording of it this morning, even though the results were played at a different time. Um, I have to say, like just so people know, uh, the way these players prepare for these matches. Like, the way they, they prepare themselves energy-wise, how they feed themselves, you know, some of them use caffeine or whatever else. Um, a real long pause like this really, really fucks things up. Like, I, I think people don't understand like understand just how much of a brain scramble this is. You know, you lose focus, you have players dozing off. Um, I mean, I don't have a ton of tournament experience myself, but I have played in LAN events and I have dealt with some long pauses myself. And I can tell you from my experience... It completely fucks everything up. Like, you just forget what you were doing. You lose a sense of pace. You lose the sense of the game state. Usually, you're not allowed to talk. You get really, really distracted. You just get... You just, like... It's it's like you got, like, picked up and put in a different world. It's, it's really, really weird. And it's really jarring jumping back into a game. So, the reason I bring this up is, like, you, you have to kind of take with a grain of salt the result before and after a pause like this because... It really jacks people up, and and quite frankly, I mostly throw the results out after these kind of things. I don't put a lot of weight on them because like some players, some teams just handle this stuff better than others. Take this analysis with a grain of salt. First game in this series was really bizarre. There was a really huge fight for the first set of grubs that ended up with King and picking up two kills on Aatrox. Um, D plus were aggressively trying to snowball this shortly after invading red side uh, bot jungle or blues red side jungle. And they succeeded. Really swift stomping. Wasn't even, you know, took a while for the pause, but they ended up stomping this game. Second game of this series was honestly just Showmaker being really disrespectful. And this is what I'm talking about with the pauses. This felt like Showmaker was just like pissed off about the pauses and just trying to end the game because he played so, so disrespectful against Satab in the mid lane. Just super greedy positioning. And he got punished a few times for that really you know, cocky positioning. Uh, Satab's Azir got fed. DK tried to get their way back in this game on a 3v2 tower dive bot around the 10-30 mark, but Plata made a really brilliant hook on Nautilus to make it an even trade. And, you know, even though DRX never really ballooned their goal lead to much more than a 1,000 or two in this game, they picked up four of the first five dragons. 
Fifth one was stolen by Satab on his ear for the soul, by the way. Um, they added Cassante. Chemtech soul for Cassante is insane. Um, they couldn't really do much with this soul. This is, again, like, DRX aren't good. They didn't really get much with this. But um, eventually they picked off King and looking for a flank uh, on on his uh, trying to build Narbar and picked him off. Uh, killed him, got the Elder, and then won the game. Pretty decisive win once they turned the corner. Like, once they got the second one fight, it was a pretty decisive win. It just was a little weird in the middle there. Um, good response to CDRX bounce back after getting stomped in 24 minutes in game one, even though it took hours, not 24 minutes. Game three, um, D-plus kind of just dumpstered the bottom lane. Um, DRX sold out like a full 5v5 bottom. All teleports at 12 minutes. This this literally felt like everybody, both the teams were just so done with the pause shit that they were like, all right, listen, are we just going to fucking full send it bottom lane? So they did. Um, D-plus won that fight. Kept growing their gold lead. Took a little while to close it out, but they eventually um, they eventually did. Uh, DRX was competitive in this one, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the pauses kind of like created a lot of angst and, and made DRX a lot more chippy than we've seen them, but it's kind of worth noting that if they're going to punch back like this, it might be something to look at for like kill total overs moving forward. But again, I don't I don't want to put too much stock into it. Um, Kwangdong Brion happened this morning, or the replay of it happened this morning, so we got to see the VOD for it. Just a bad series again from Kwangdong. Bull just, the bull giveth and the bull taketh away. He's like full on channeling Jackie Love at this point. He really, like, he just does some brilliant things. He's super aggressive, and it looks really, really good when it works, and it looks really stupid when it loses. And quite frankly, like, it lost them two of these games, him just being overly aggressive, getting caught out on his Ezreal a few times. Um, I don't really know what to say. Like, Kwangdong looked like a legit playoff team, like the fifth or sixth best team in the LCK, and they just lost back-to-back games against, or matches against Brion in the same weekend. Maybe it was just a bad week of practice, but this is going to be something we gotta we gotta really evaluate. It's gonna be a tough one. Sunday in the LPL, we had uh, Ninjas in Pajamas with the two-one win over LNG. Um, rookie breaking out the AD LeBlanc after we haven't seen it for a little while in Game One. wasn't a lot of action. There was just one kill through, uh, through the first twenty-three minutes in this game. Perfect game script for LNG's team comp. Perfect game script for the way LNG liked to play. Ended up winning that first uh, the first big fight in the game. Uh, enough to get leverage. Quickly reset for a Baron. Got the Baron. Um, they were able to balloon this out to like a 5,000 gold lead. Took a little while for them to close, which is of note. Um, they, this was, this ended up being like a marathon game because they just couldn't get an inhib. Uh, so we're talking like two barons, still no inhibs down at like 40 minutes, right? Eventually, uh, they get another baron, get the inhib at 43 minutes, and then eventually the game as well, um. Someone holding NIP Moneyline tickets, LNG breaking surf for side choice in game one was bad news for uh, our play there, but um, they ended up bringing it back and winning. Game two, very different look for LNG. Um, they actually played like a tempo look with like Talia, Zinzao, Kalista selling out for early game. Kind of an evolution we might be seeing in LNG, worth noting moving forward, but we'll see if they can consistently do that or not. Um, they didn't really get a substantial lead in the first 15 minutes and just got outscaled though, like that was really all it was. Uh, Aki got a steal on the third Drake, which helped a lot for stalling the game out. Um, they had the Senna, so NIP were comfortable just chilling. I think LNG actually missed out on a really big opportunity in this game. Uh, around the 20-minute mark, they um, 
They won a big fight in the top lane, killed three, and they had Callista, and the opposing smite was dead. I think they definitely could have taken uh, Baron here and just didn't. They opted to reset and go for the uh, the fourth dragon to get them to three, putting them on soul point. Uh, ninjas instantly called the Baron in response to that as soon as they saw that they weren't taking Baron. Um, very, very close fight at that Baron when, they, when it was contested. Uh, ninjas ended up getting it. And um, they were able to get out with a couple people that had it. Uh, they didn't end up getting much with it, but um, LNG ended up selling out like on the Baron Siege with a TP. Uh, Zika's TP flank on Aatrox. Um, but you know, Ninjas and Pajamas actually stymied that approach, got the kill on him, didn't get anything out of it, ended up getting top inhib and got out. Ninjas reset, got the... Um, got there faster for the first dragon reset or for the, the ocean soul uh, contest. Uh, Shanji and Rookie ended up both TPing into base to end the game using the ocean soul point as a as a bait, which was kind of a cool thing. Really, really uh, a lot of really close fights in this game. I think we kind of got lucky that LNG didn't take Baron at twenty thirty. I think they probably should have, but got the win. Game three was weird. Um, Ninjas jumped out to an early lead. Foda picked up two kills early on Callista. Um, LNG were able to get him back and get the the small shutdown, uh, but the gold hit had already ballooned quite a bit. Ninjas were in full control of this game. They had full control of the pace. A couple good counter punches from LNG, which was good to see because that's something I've been criticizing criticizing them for is just kind of like rolling over and dying. But uh, eventually, around the f like, it was around the 16 minute mark, NIP won a huge fight in the top lane. Really, just blew this game wide open for them. You know, fast forward to around eight minutes. Scout lands a huge Nico ult, but LNG still lose the fight because of a great Renata ult from Schwo. Um, close fight. A couple really, really close fights in this game. LNG ended up clawing back a lot of the gold lead. They ended up picking up third dragon um, in exchange for a couple kills to NIP. NIP used those, those two um, kills to go directly to mid-tower, take mid-tower, and ran right to Baron. Like, super decisive call on it. Um, they had to Callista, so that was a good call. Uh, they end up getting the Baron, but Ziga's Aatrox almost aced him by himself. Um, they were able to get a couple of the Baron buffs out. IP up around 3k gold at this point. They reset by Siege up bottom for a few towers. Don't end up getting the inhib. Next big fight was around 24-20, setting up for the next dragon. Gala got absolutely smoked by Shanji's Cassante, and this fight was just over from there. Um, they end up getting an inhib, I think an inhib off that. On the reset, um, there was another big fight mid. Gala and Hong ended up getting picked off around, it was like 26-30 or so, and NIP just won the game off of it. It was like a really anticlimactic ending for a match, like a game that was really, really close, but Hong and Gala getting picked ended up losing them the game. Pretty lucky to get this money line home, I'll admit, but, you know, sometimes you got to be luck better lucky than good. Weibo versus OMG wasn't all that interesting. All three of these games were just lopsided stomps. Uh, OMG got two of them. We got our money line home there. Um, wasn't much to say about this because the games weren't interesting. The only interesting thing is really seeing Weibo blow up in an early game for a change, which was kind of cool. All right, Anyone's Legend, EDG. We hit EDG money line here huge. This was a, a flag plant for me. Basically, backup quarterback effect was the thought. These games were absolutely hilarious. We got the 2-0. Very, very, very lucky to get the 2-0. Um... I mean, I have a long write-up for these two. It's like game one, EDG bottom lane had the best game I think I've ever seen from these two as professionals in their short career so far. Uh, jumped out to a fast 3-0 on Callista Alistair. 
kind of fed it right back to Harry's Aatrox, which is not what you want to do when you have Callista, but um, this was, both of these games ended up turning into just like full-on solo queue games. They were just complete bloodbaths, total clown fiesta games, both teams throwing leads back and forth, um, and eventually like EDG got both of them home. Um, EDG, honestly, EDG had like a 6k gold lead at one point in this game and threw it all the way back and then still ended up winning. So we, I kind of felt lucky that we got this one home because they were outscaled pretty hard. Um, game two was kind of the opposite. AL jumped out to the early lead and then they threw it. Um, yeah, there was like 18 kills in the first 13 minutes of this game. Just again, another solo queue bloodbath, like old school LPL kind of game. The snake had a really good series. Probably the best series I've ever seen him have as a professional. Um, it was weird seeing this terrible EDG team actually get a win in the late game against the Karma, but hey, I don't know. This was a weird series. We got the 2-0. Another one where we got kind of lucky. A very, very lucky Sunday was the theme of the day. Monday, Top Esports, FPX. Hilarious series. Um, first game, Funplus had a lot of really good early game, a very good start to this game, but they kind of just gave Top Esports like all their comfort picks and, and Senna, so like... They just ended up like winning a big fight at some point in like the 25 plus minute mark and then flipping into a Baron ending the game, even though they were down like 3k gold. Game two, um, FPX flexed the Twisted Fate to mid, ended up doing like a Roa into Shirelia's AP build because they would have been all AD otherwise. Jumped out to like a 4k gold lead around the 13 minute mark, had a 2 1 and 2 Senna for Doc Dom. This game was like over essentially. Haven't been super steady in closing with FPX, but they got three quick dragons, ended up snowballing for the win, and uh, you know, as we know, FPX with a lead can can really blow the game wide open. Game three, it looked like top turned the corner and stabilized, but then they ended up chasing Jalahu for a kill late in the game. Um, and then went to Baron to punish that, but FPX just decided to like full send it mid with the other four. So they they were like, okay, we'll trade mid in here for Baron. So FPX just kept going, actually took the ended up taking the the whole base, like the Nexus and everything, and won the game. Um, I think Top Esports just kind of like called their bluff and said, you're not going to try to end the game. You're just going to try to trade the inhib and get out. They only recalled Cream on Akali, and he could not hold the base by himself, and they ended up losing this game right there. It was like a really, really goofy ending. Um, wish I ended up playing anything. My gut told me to play FPX plus one and a half maps. Didn't end up playing anything in this one, but it was a hilarious ending. FPX, dude, uh, Milky Way... Milky Way has been a really, really fun player to watch. I was tweeting about it this morning. He's been legit, and you know my thesis coming into the season on FPX was if Milky Way is good, then they're potentially like a top six team. If he's replacement level, then they'll probably just be good, like a playoff team. Um, right now, they might be a top six team. The model actually rates them as a top six team, and they're one of the elite early game teams in the league, which is kind of cool. That was the thesis for maybe betting the plus one and a half maps for this, too. LGD Invictus. LGD with a pretty clean, decisive win in game one. Game two, they sort of had a small lead, but ended up bungling it. But IG had scaling advantage anyway. Um, and then game three was kind of a lopsided IG stomp. Not all that surprising, given the nature of these two teams, um, that this was kind of just like a meh series. I still think LGD are probably better than their record. Not saying they're really great or anything like that, but um, I think they're probably better than their record, forcing parity in a lot of these games. Invictus are a lot tougher to pin down. They're like kind of KT Rollster-esque, really volatile sample. You never know what you're getting game to game. So, yeah, lots to recap. But um, moving on to the uh, slate on Tuesday in the LPL. Yeah, just real quick, we ended up 
a net of just short of plus five units over the last two days, which was a nice bounce back after a rough Saturday and really a rough week last week. Anyway, LPL for Tuesday morning. We have two matches, week five, day two. Um, two big favorites tomorrow. First up, we have uh, Billy Billy Gaming minus 1618, minus 1. 1.5 maps at minus 347 against Thunder Talk Gaming plus 927 on the money line, plus 1.5 is at plus 268, and the Thunder Talk Sweep is at plus 2052. Um, so Thunder Talk kind of been a little bit like LGD, a team that forces parity in a lot of their games. Um, they don't have a lead very often. I'm talking a lead of any size at 20 minutes. Um, they just lead at in 27.8% of their games in, uh, so far in 2024. That's not going to cut it. Um, that's not good. Like that's actually terrible. Like that's indicative of probably a terrible team. That said, um, they are a lot like LGD in that they keep games close. They have a significant deficit at 20 in just 5.6% of their games, which is like an elite level, right? Um, they're trailing in more than 72% of their games, but they're not trailing by a lot in a lot of their games. So they're keeping games close, which is worth noting. These kind of teams remind me a lot of like if a team that can like run the ball and play good defense to shorten the game like fewer actual plays or like in, in like basketball a team that like slows the tempo down and uses the entire shot clock. And you know, there's fewer possessions in a game. Uh, that's what these kind of teams remind me of a little bit. They tend to make great bet ons as kill spread plays as huge underdogs like this. Um, like TT, for instance, have only lost by 11 or more kills three times this season, but this is also a massive step up in competition for them, which concerns me a little bit. Also, BLG are one of the elite early game teams, and they haven't faced any of those yet. So I think there's a chance I look like an idiot here, and BLG just completely steamroll Thunder Talk in their first two games because they have not faced a good early game team yet this season. Just maybe making the fact that like, it might be making them look like a team that's good at forcing parity and stabilizing games. But it could also just be that they haven't faced a good early game team yet and that that number is going to look a lot worse as they start facing those. I ended up playing map 2, which is the map that TTL have side choice on, plus 10.5 kills at minus 110 for one unit. Um, just on the premise that I think they can keep one of these close. They've been competent enough to do that. 10.5 is a huge spread to cover. I'm also going to play a half stake on the over 4.5 dragons at plus 148 on both maps. This is kind of double dipping. Um, assuming that TT can make one of these games close, which is why I half-staked it. Um, you could alternatively skip the kill spread and just play one unit each on the over 4.5 Dragons if you prefer that way. Basic premise is they keep one of these games close. You know, TT haven't re really been blowing anybody out early, but if you think they can keep one of them close, that's the way to play it. Next match, we have JD Gaming. JDG, minus 4.46 on the money line. Minus 1.5 mass at minus 125. Plus 1.5 at minus 13.15 against Team WE. Plus 3.33 on the money line. Plus 1.5 mass at plus 103. Minus 1.5 at plus 7.93. JDG, very, very impressive performance this weekend against Billy Billy, even though they lost the match. I thought they outdrafted themselves in all three games of this match. And they were playing these like really, really difficult to execute concave kind of compositions that, you know, especially against good teams, are just very, very difficult to pull off. And they, you know, fought their way out of a paper bag and problem-solved their way out of a lot of difficult situations in this match against an elite opponent in Billy Billy. Ended up losing the match, but I was I was very impressed with JDG. Um, they are clearly still a very strong, like, strong late, like, mid and late game team. I just think they maybe need to simplify their drafts a little bit. 
haven't been a great early game team. This is a, I mean, this is a JDG team that's still trying to figure out their identity. They have, they've been good early game, but not great. This is not the 2023 JDG. That's important because Team WE, the other team in this match, have looked very, very good outside of the early game, which is, you know, kind of the theme for this match. My basic thesis for this matchup is that neither of these teams have been great early, and I don't think either of them are going to be able to pull a huge lead out on one another. And I think these games are just going to basically be coin flip games, or at least much closer to a coin flip than the market's suggesting. I think JDG are the better team, but I think Team WE, if you can't punish Team WE's weak early game, then they're good. They're like just as good as some of these top teams. Um, I still think JDG are better. I don't think that's you know any kind of hot take or anything. But this, even if you give them a bump for side choice, like I can't get this anywhere close to like more than minus three hundred. Like, I, I just can't. It's tough. And I, I think this is, like, a whole new no special. Like, Team WE are good enough in the mid and late game that, like, I think they can get a game in this series. And maybe two if they flip heads twice. So, um, JDG do have side choice, which is, you know, not great for a bet like this. They could easily just 2-0 this match. But we just need WE to take one. So, I play Team WE plus 1.5 maps at plus 103 for one unit. I think the fair price on that is probably more like... Probably more like a minus 170 range. Um, I'd also played uh, 0.2 units on the Team WE money line at plus 333. Um, Team WE, just good agnostic economy, good forced parity type of team that we've seen. They're also only trailing by a significant amount in just 5.6% of their games, which is an elite level. And they have an 89% closing rate with any lead at 20 so far this season. So... You know, I think they can, if, if JDG aren't going to play early game and aren't going to dominate early game as they're kind of figuring themselves out, which is okay. It's what you should do. Like, you shouldn't try to play execution heavy uh, as much when you're trying to figure yourself out because uh, it's harder. But if they're not going to dominate early games, then a lot of these teams that are competent mid and late game teams are going to be able to take games off of them until we see them really expand their early game play. JDG, you have to kind of treat like LNG in 2023 where they're vulnerable if you can attack them early, and they're going to be vulnerable against teams that are good in the mid and late game like WER. So I think eventually they're going to be good. I think eventually they'll be an elite team. They're just kind of figuring themselves out right now. That's all I've got for tomorrow. Best of luck, and I will see you tomorrow.